0: This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 18 of Equestrian Legends. Hello, I'm Chris Stafford, and my guest this week is Australian show jumper Art Utendahl. Art Utendahl was born on January 21st, 1931, in Breda, Holland, the middle child of Nico and Josephine Tew. He followed in his father's footsteps as a horseman and went directly from school into the family business, running a riding school and dealing in horses. After World War II, he intended to emigrate to New Zealand, but an opportunity in Australia found him in Victoria, where he started his own business and became a pioneer for bringing European equitation and training methods to Australian riders. Revered by horsemen and women across the country, Art produced countless horses for jumping and eventing, many of whom found international success and Olympic team potential, but his professional status prevented him from making the Olympic team himself. He won Australian Championship in 1961, 62, and 67, as well as countless Victorian show jumping championships and hundreds of ribbons at both the Royal and other agricultural shows. He also claimed the Show Jumper of the Year title 13 times. He visited England in 1976, winning international classes with young horses. As a trainer, he was responsible for the Australian show jumping team in 1980, and the three-day event team at the 1982 World Championships in Gorla. In 2001, he was inducted into the Australian Show Jumping Hall of Fame. Art is married to his second wife Kerry and lives in Rosebud, Victoria, Australia. He has three children, six grandchildren, and four step-grandchildren. He is the author of Show Jumping in Australia. Well, Art, you still live a very active life, I understand, doing some teaching, dressage and show jumping. What is a typical day for you there in Victoria?
1: I still do a little bit of teaching. We had um, in the district where I live, it's not far from the sea and only four or five kilometers from where I live there is a delightful horse person called Ann Gale who lived for 10 years in Florida. And she got a property with a beautiful dressage arena, beautiful jumping area, and a real horse lover. And I enjoy, at my age, still some days that I
0: go and teach there. I want to take you right back to the beginning, Art, when you were a boy in Waarton, Holland, and you were born of very horsey parents, so you inherited the genes, didn't you?
1: Exactly, yes, you're right. I can still remember my grandfather, a horse. my grandfather, who was a delightful person and who taught me a lot of dressage because that was his part of the business. And then my father, who was a much harder person, he was the show jumping expert. And I had four brothers in the family business. And I was the youngest one. And each time... When my father went to Ireland or Germany and bought horses, then the oldest brother had the first pick and so on. And because I was the youngest one, I had the last pick. And we worked in the business for, yeah, for quite a long time. And I had uh, uh, remarkable because... One of the young horses I picked was an absolute darling of a horse in show jumping and then the 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 system in Holland is that if there is a good horse doesn't matter if it is made by the youngest one. it goes to the older brother and he rides it on the shows and that is not such a, a easy. Um, sing if you're a horse lover and you make your own horse and then suddenly it starts on the shows and you do well but then the older brother takes over and then my father who in Holland those days if you were a professional you could only compete on the national shows. Now my brother Bertie who was quite a good rider, he was employed by the garage next door. He was on their payroll. And he was amateur. And then, as soon as the good horse was there, he was took over that horse, and he went to the international show in Rotterdam. He went to Belgium. He went to Germany. And that was really where It was so beautiful to go to those shows, especially like I was sometimes I had to come as a groom, look after the horses, and yeah, then you see a brother ride your horse. And I did that for till I was uh, 19, 20 years of age. And then for one reason I was... Really fed up with that. And I just said, look, I'm not staying home. The other brothers, I can go and stay in the business. And I went to Germany, which I spent eight months with Fritz Stiedemann. And, of course, I had to work very hard there. You only worked for your keep. No money, just to learn. Clean the stables, make the feeding, clean the horses, and you had to ride the young horses the way he wanted you to ride. Everything had to be done on a long rein, relax, because the man was a real dressage person. He, a matter of fact, he won a bronze medal in the early days in dressage, but show jumping was really his fantastic. You know, oh, he was brilliant. Then when I was there for eight months, my father uh, came back in contact with me and he wanted me back in the business because the two other older brothers, they disappeared, and there was only one brother left, and that was Bertie. Now, in the business, you had to teach a lot of young children on the weekend you had to teach through the week, and you have two clean stables, you feed horses. It was cheap labor, because I didn't get paid too much. I only got, say, $2 pocket money each weekend. Anyway, I had a few horses in work, and my brother, Bertie, I had one little horse that was absolutely fantastic, and it went to some little shows and won the competition, and then my brother Bertie took over, which I did not agree with, but never mind, you have to take it, and your father says that is what has to be done. Anyway, I had a brother of my father who had a beautiful Um, stables and just for private use and he had a lovely big horse called um, a a, a chestnut horse and he said I I want you to come you ride that horse and you do some jumping with him and then you can ride it on the show and nobody else will take it away from you because that was really fantastic and I went there it was only 10 kilometers from where we lived. So I went every night with the push bike and rode the horse. Till the horse started ready, he was ready to go to the shows. And then in our town, Brida, close near the Belgian border, the horse won his little uh, Norvus competition. And then he was entered in the puissance. In those days, you could enter any horse in an open class, and he got second in the pre-sounds. An absolute fantastic horse. Anyway, I joined a few more shows, which he got second and third, but absolutely ready to go to any show. Just then he was entered because the brother of my father was in the committee of the equestrian... Federation in Holland and I was allowed to ride, you know, he said take the horse and we enter him in Rotterdam in the international show and there you can ride him I and that, everything was perfect I went to Rotterdam the horse, everything was there and then the committee of the uh, international show in Rotterdam, came up to me and I said, no, you cannot ride on the show because you are a professional. And your brother, who is an amateur, yes, he can ride, but professionals cannot ride on the show because a professional in Holland could only ride on the national shows but not at international shows. Now, that was not really of my liking. And, yeah, then the president of the Rotterdam show, he said to me, look, I'm very sorry, but that's the way it is. But he said, if you are out of sport for two years, then you become amateur again then he said, look, I got a person here from New Zealand, a Mr. J.J. J. Jordan, and he wants somebody to ride his horses in New Zealand. Now, I said, that is fantastic, really, because to go and, to New Zealand, a different country, yeah, I, I really, I, I thought that's, that's brilliant. So then I had to go to the New Zealand consulate in Den Haag, in Holland. And I had to get an application and, you know, a permit, the immigration form to go to New Zealand.
0: Well, I want to come to that and how you traveled abroad, Art. But I want to first of all take you back to those very early days. You were born in Breda in 1931 and a very obviously established equestrian family. Tell me about your parents. Describe your mother to me.
1: Now, my mother was born in France. She was a French. Yes, she was French. And she never even came in the stables, never knew anything about horses. Uh, In those days... um, Uh, A woman come in the stable and, no, 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 that was only for men. Mm -hmm. That was unbelievable. No, she was a fantastic person and she was, um, yeah, um, she was more times in the hospital getting children than anything else.
0: Tell me about those early days then, what it was like being part of such a large family...
1: Well, it was very hard because that were just the war years. And in the war, yeah, everything was very difficult uh, uh, to get all the food on the table. And um, I remember when, in 1940, when, when I was only nine years of age, that when the Germans came and took Holland, when they came to our town, Breda, and we had up to 30 riding school horses. And the Germans, they took from the 30, they took 25 horses away and left us with five. And then, in the wartime, yeah, it was very difficult for my father because he relied on selling horses and the business and everything changed. It was a very, very tough time.
0: Indonesia was under Dutch control too and many soldiers actually came to your father for instruction. He actually taught the cavalry riders. Do you remember that period?
1: After the war, when the, in in the town I lived, it was really a big, Military academy, and then at that academy we, there came Indonesian um, officers, or oh, at least 50, 60 Indonesians, and they came all to our establishment for riding lessons, because that was in the army, um, every officer they had a horse, which after the war was a great help to my father because he was selling them horses and teaching them, and especially the Indonesians, I, yeah, that was really, for the business, brilliant. that lasted, um, yeah, for four, five, six years,
0: which was brilliant. With having so many siblings, Art, who were also to become horsemen and women, were you very competitive as a small child?
1: Uh, Yes. Yes, I um, schooled in those days for me. Uh, Of course, I went to school. I went to night school. But um, I was more interested in nothing else but horses. And I had to ride a lot of young horses and I... Yeah, that that is part competition, the local shows. And I did with my young horses I had. I went to a lot of farmer shows uh, because in Holland you have the farmer shows which only for farmers. But if you had a horse... To give a bit more experience the farmers, they would love it if you would jump on their show just to exhibit, just to demonstrate the show jumping part. And, yeah, I was very competitive when I was young.
0: So what was school like for you then? Where did you go to school and what subjects did you like when you weren't thinking about horses? Were you an attentive scholar and enjoyed school?
1: No, I was not a road scholar. I uh, I went. I finished my my the lower school, and then I went into the business for my father, and I had to go to night school. Because you had to pass a certain degree, which I did, and the night school that was for three years. I really had nine years of schooling, and then I went full-time into the business of my father.
0: So you were learning to train and produce horses, which you've done all your life, from a very early age. Were you involved with your siblings in any sort of gymkhana's or any pony club style competitions? Were you able to enjoy that sort of fun element of being a child around ponies? Or was it all business because that was your father's business?
1: In those days, I did not have pony clubs in Holland. In Holland, it was only the farmer shows and the local shows. And pony clubs or eventing like in Australia where you have a lot of riding clubs and... No, nah, no, nah, that was not in Holland. In Holland, on the moment, I don't know. But those days, no, you just had to spend a lot of time at home and do uh, ride your horse there and, yeah, go to um, some farmer shows. And if your horses were good enough, go to the national shows. But pony clubs and all that, no, no, no. They didn't have that, especially in the war and just after the war. That was very difficult.
0: Well, you mentioned during the war, of course, with being part of a large family, you would have had your hardships. But you managed to raise some animals to feed the family. There's an interesting story about how you would hide a pig to kill for the family. Yeah, but... Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, that exactly, that was very difficult because with the Germans um, like the people would get coupons to go and go to um, and they had then a big uh, kitchen in the middle of town and people would get coupons to get food. Now my father, on that we had a lot of horses we had a big high stack and In the high stack, in the middle of the high stack, we had a cow for the milk, and we also had two pigs. And then in those days, if if the Germans would have known that, now yeah, you would have gone to jail. But those two pigs, they had to be fed, and then we had a big hospital on the side of us. And then all the leftovers from the hospital was all in big tins in those milk cans. And we had permission to go and pick up two or three cans or four cans a week because I had so much. And I had to go on my little push bike and put a can on in front of my steering wheel. And so we fed. The pigs. And then, yeah, when they were ready, then uh, the butcher would come. And secretly, we had to kill the pig. And that, yeah, was there to feed the family. And the milk, and we made our own butter. And, and, and yeah, in those days, you had to do all those things. Because otherwise, everything was so expensive. And the only meat you really could buy in Holland was horse meat. And, yeah, that, that's not really nice to eat if you're a horse person.
0: What kind of father was your dad? Uh, and what sort of things did he teach you about being a young man and running a business?
1: Now, my father, he was the most, the hardest man I have ever met. He really, um, everything was business, everything was money. And he was very, very, very tough. Everything had to be, you know, work hard. And if you, at the weekend, if you worked the whole week hard, and then on the weekend, you had to really, to get uh, your pocket money, it all depends how you behave through the week. Otherwise you wouldn't even get that. And that was yeah he had to be tough because money wasn't very hard to to get. And yeah, in the war that it was just you know how he how he did it. I don't know, he had to be tough. And and that is why when later on when he came to Australia and I was so successful he, um, yeah, that he was a different person. But in the war and with the family in Holland, oh, he, was, he was very, very tough.
0: Was there always an expectation from him, Art, that you would become a horseman simply because he was in the business? And did that apply to all your brothers and sisters that he expected you to be part of the family business?
1: Yes, in one way, yes. But he was so difficult that two of my older brothers, they left the business. One went in the army, and the other one became a sales traveler for uh, a flower factory. And I stayed in the business with my brother Bertie. And the only thing I wanted to know doesn't matter if I got paid or not. I wanted to be with the horses, learn to ride, compete on the shows. My grandfather was very, very good. He was a, a gentleman, and he taught me a lot in dressage, which was fantastic, which helped me in my life further on. But my father did expect you to do well in the business, in the horse riding, and if something went wrong, oh, my God, then, you know, you can't, you've got to learn, and he was very, very, no compliments. I remember, and this is true, I remember that I had a little horse called Ernica, but just came from Germany. Not just, I had it for six, seven, eight months. And it was an absolute dream of a horse. And my brother Bertie had two other horses. And I competed with that little horse on a show in Holland. He won uh, the Norvus show jumping competition. Then at the second show, and the horse was so willing. Absolutely brilliant. A genius. And then on the second show, I competed in the open class. And in the open class those days, the fences were quite a lot bigger. But this horse was unbelievable. And then there were only two clear rounds. And I won uh, against the clock from the champion of the Netherlands, which was uh, Baron van Leiden. And then the only thing, when the presentation was finished, the only thing my father had to say to me, now, don't let it go to your head. Just be quiet. Anyway, those things, he wouldn't say, oh, you know, you're fantastic, and that was brilliant. That's how I want you to be. Now, 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 because he was completing himself, And my brother Bertie was competing too. And then beating them, no, that was, you know, not such an easy thing to swallow. But that was how he was like.
0: Did he teach you much art when you were competing together and training horses? Was he very helpful in his instruction or did you learn by just following his leadership?
1: No, he was... (laughs) Even if he was the trainer of the Dutch Olympic team, at home, uh, teaching his own sons, no, no, that was not so easy. And then, and then we didn't really like him to be, uh, we didn't like him, you know, to teach us because he was, he was that hard. And he was so, yeah, um, you couldn't take it. He was a very hard man on a horse. And that is why when I went to Peterman in Germany, uh, that, that was absolutely brilliant because he was a very kind person on a horse. And I learned a lot there. But then in Holland, when I was young, my grandfather... He was the man. He was brilliant. And he was a good rider. And he, he taught me oh, 90% more than my own father. And, yeah, it, uh, that was just the way, the way he was.
0: At what point, then, uh, did you decide that it was time to leave home and make your own way in the world?
1: My little horse, Ernica was taken after... I won, was taken away from me, to my brother Bertie, because it had to compete on the show in Belgium. And apparently my father would say, no, you're too young, you don't have the experience yet, Bertie will do that. Which then, my, my, the brother of my father, who had a lovely horse, and he said, ah, you come and to my place, you ride a horse, and I will allow you to ride that horse on the shows. And that was a brilliant horse. And I completed with the horse at several shows, national. And he got a third and a fourth. And always jumped the clean round till I went to the show in Breda, our town show. And there the horse won the novice class and he got second in the pre And that was absolutely brilliant. And the horse was ready because the brother of my father was in the Dutch Equestrian Federation. And he said, look, that horse can compete in a speed class in Rotterdam. Lovely. Absolutely brilliant. And everything was set off to Rotterdam. We were entered, everything was done. And then, when I was, came in Rotterdam, and the day before the competition, the committee from the Rotterdam show came up to me and I said, uh, Mr. Hesselman, he said, No, Art, you cannot compete here on the show because you are a professional. And in those days, professionals could not compete at any international show. You couldn't go to Belgium, you couldn't go to Germany, you couldn't go to England, only at the national shows. And that was not of my liking. I wanted to compete against the best in the world. That was my ambition. And then... (laughs) Mr. Hasselman, he said, if you're out of sport for two years, then you can come back as an amateur. Which was, yeah, I had no choice. And then he said to me, he said, look, I got a, a man here from New Zealand, a big sheep farmer, and Mr. J.J. Jordan. And he wants somebody to ride horses for him in New Zealand and work on the sheep farm. Now, if you do that for two years and then come back, you're an amateur again. And I really liked that idea. I thought that's fantastic. Because to travel as a young boy, yeah, that was really, yeah, to my liking. Then I went to the, New Zealand consulate in the Haag for a permit to migrate to New Zealand. Now I had the interview and I told, I got the letter from Mr. Jordan that I could come as a horseman for the sheep farm to New Zealand. All right. Three weeks later on, I got a letter back from the New Zealand consulate Telling me that my application was refused, and the reason for that was that I was not a mechanic, I was not a carpenter, a toolmaker, or a, a plumber. I, I was not in that. Um, yeah, had to be, you know, in that category. So that was the end. So I wrote a letter back to Mr. Jordan, and I said, look. I can't come to New Zealand because I'm not an, a plumber or a carpenter or a toolmaker. He said, Oh that doesn't matter. He said, you can come to New Zealand I write you another letter. And you can come as a sheep farmer to learn the trade. Anyway, I got the letter. I went back to Den Haag, to the consulate. And here I got exactly the same person interviewing me, like in the first time. And then he said, look, you want to go to New Zealand, he said, but I can't, you know, give you um, an immigration permit. He said, why aren't you go to Australia, migrate to Australia, and then from Australia go straight to New Zealand, which was very simple and easy. As I, uh, I put, a matter of fact, we had, in Holland, I had three friends, and two of those friends were migrating also to Australia. As I put in my application to migrate to Australia, everything was set, lovely, and the three of us We went on the boat on the way
0: to Australia. And that, of course, was in 1956. You were just 25 years of age when you arrived on that Dutch migrant ship. That must have been a very powerful time for you as a young man to realize that you had reached the other side of the world and that new opportunities were opening up for you. But it didn't really go... Very easily at start, I think you did some very menial jobs, didn't you, when you arrived in Melbourne, like p- picking potatoes and fencing and cutting oh, cane.
1: you see, yeah, we had, in Australia, there was an, a Dutch farmer who was an international rider on the shows. His name was Franz Jensen. And he migrated with nine sons Australia. And he had a big dairy farm in, not far from Melbourne, in Gippsland. And I milked up to 300 cows. Big, you know, a big acreage. And he, when I was in Holland and I wrote him a letter, he said, yes, no problem. You can come to stay with me and You know, you can work here and you can do what you like. Now, when we were on the boat, the three boys, and we met other people, young blokes on the ship, and we did play a lot of cards and we played, and we had a while of time. Mm -hmm. And then just before I went on the boat to Australia, my uncle, the, the, the brother of my father, and different people, they did give me some money and good luck out and, you know, the best in Australia. But by the time I arrived in Melbourne, I had only five pounds in my pocket. And then when we arrived in Melbourne there, the farmer, Fons, he was there with the car to pick us up. And there on the Saturday, we went to Gippsland there to the big area, And we had no money to... We had to start and find work. And then Fons said, oh, he said, no problem. He said, here are all the Italians and I digging potatoes. And he said, now, you can get a job there, Jerry and you. You can get the job, walk behind the potato digger, pick up potatoes, put them in big bags, Stitch the bags, next one, and then we were paid five shillings to fill one bag of potatoes. And that was good money those days. And at one day we, we did a, we filled a hundred and one bags of potatoes. Now that was 25 pounds. But I've never seen that kind of money. And we did that for three months picking potatoes and I had quite a lot of money saved because where we were you couldn't go out you were in the really in the area where there were no
0: yeah yeah, you're not in town You, you just have to save your money and that's it which was fantastic so were you able to ride at all during that time that when you first arrived in Australia while you were doing all those menial agricultural tasks?
1: I never saw a horse and I, I really enjoyed doing what we were doing so much that I wasn't bothered about uh, looking at horses because when, when you work with horses... Uh, like in my father's business, and you've got to clean the stables, and you've got to clean the horses, and you've got to do the feeding, and on the weekend you have to work, and that was 24 hours a day. And then suddenly you come in Australia, and it's a complete different life. And I, I enjoyed it. I wasn't frightened of the hard work, because you had to work to make money. And, I, and, and, and now it is... So, um, you laugh about this because my father had to pay 50 guilders for me to migrate to Australia. He paid that. And while I was in Australia, working hard, I got a letter from my father. How are you and how is everything? And don't forget... Pay me back the fifty dollars, and immediately I went to the bank, the national bank in Australia, and I got a bank check, and I sent it straight back to Holland. He didn't expect it that, but I just could not, you know, stand it that. I he, he asked for it, and oh no, you had to pay back. What you, what you leaned of and that was how tough he was. But while we were working in the potatoes and made a lot of money, that, yeah, it was different, and I enjoyed it. And then after the potatoes were finished, we were asked by different farmers to cart high bales. And carting high bales, we did that for eight, ten weeks. Brilliant. And we made, you know, again, you get paid very well. You get ten wear, and you get eight or nine pounds a day. And that was really, those days, that was good money. Hard work, but doesn't matter. And then after we finished picking high, I went, we were asked to go to South Australia and do rapid proof fencing with a Dutch fencing contractor. So off we went, Jerry and I, we both went to South Australia. And there we had to help with digging post holes. That was all done by the tractor and but carting posts, getting the wire, help with the fencing. And there we got five pounds a day. Which was also good money. Excellent. And we did that for oh we did that for seven, eight months. And you couldn't go out because you were on a the property there. That there they don't talk about how many acres they got now, it's how many square mile. And we had to do a lot of fencing and we worked with seven or eight people.
0: And that was a big contract, and, yeah, it it was brilliant. At what point did you realize that you weren't going to get to New Zealand and that it was going to be Australia for you for the rest of your life?
1: We enjoyed ourselves so much in Australia that to go to New Zealand, I had to make money because it's no good going there and come there with an empty pocket. But by working and seeing the country, I enjoyed Australia so much that we traveled from one place to the other. And after, the, after we did the dancing in South Australia, we went right to the top of Queensland. We were cutting sugar cane. And that was not such a, that was a bad job. But we had to do it. And then after the sugar cane, we I uh, Jerry and I we got a job on a big station, driving cattle. That was the first time I was back on a horse, and it was, you know, enjoy. Yeah, that the cattle you you sit in the saddle for two two three days, uh, one after the other, and you got your little Billy can you make a tea, you got your tin of baked beans and with, with the boss and, yeah, drive cattle. And that was, uh, yeah, different. It was You enjoyed yourself. It was different than Holland. It was the country, open space. It was just brilliant. And then I decided that uh, it was over uh, nearly a year and a half more. And I thought, now, I've been here long enough. Now it's time to go back to Victoria and go back to Holland, make the arrangements. You could not go back before two years, because if you would do that, then you had to pay the immigration the whole trip, all the money that I spent on you. I had to wait for two years and I arrived back Jerry who stayed in Sydney he had friends there I went back to Victoria and I still had three months to go then phone said to me the Dutch uh, farmer he said to me ah, why while you here for three months there is a dairy farmer here who got two sons And he wants those two sons to be taught riding. I said, all right, why not? I will do that. And I went over there and I helped the two young boys. They had ponies. And I was also, uh, the tallest boy had a nice horse. And then when I was teaching the boy, the farmer said to me, now why don't you stay at my place? till you go back to Holland. He said, you can teach my sons. You can help in the dairy, milking cows on the weekend. He had 350 cows to milk. He had two people working. But on the weekend, when I had their weekend off, then I had to help in the dairy. That's when uh, the boys, and he had a beautiful big chestnut horse, And I was riding that horse, and he was used for, in Australia, for hack classes, only for hacking, for the prettiest horse on the show. But the boys, they were also interested in jumping, because the pony club in Australia, they do everything. They do jumping, they do dressage, because I help the boys with their jumping. And then I started to jump the big horse myself. Now, the first show we went to, he we entered the horse in the enormous show jumping competition, <laughs> and <clears throat> there were only four clear rounds against the clock, and this horse was so brilliant that we jumped the clear round and we won the competition. Now, that was everybody on the show, like the the show jumping riders there, that said, now, who is he? Where does he come from? Anyway, that to me was so fantastic that you go to your first show, the boys won champion rider, everything, and we went from one show to the other. But then... The horse I was jumping, because he was a hack, Jack McCormick said, I don't want him to jump anymore, because if he gets a bump on his leg, then he can't go into those pretty hack classes. Then he said, look, let's go and buy two horses, which we did. I bought two horses with him because I saved quite a bit of money. And then in those days you could buy a horse in Australia for 150 pounds. And we went to a horse sale and we bought two horses. We paid 90 pounds guineas then. Everything was then guineas. And we had the two horses at home and I started to ride on the shows with the two. Firstly, you had to make them and you had to start teaching them everything, a lot of dressage cavalletti. Anyway, to ride on the nerves uh, in the show in Norvus show jumping competition, which was absolutely, you know, fantastic. And the shows here were different altogether. It was more, um, you know, today how are you? And
0: uh, no, it was not for the rich. It was. For the yeah, for everybody. You were show jumping. You were eventing and producing countless horses that you were successful on from the mid fifties right through to the late nineties. Art and during that period, you met your first wife. Tell us how you met her. That was Marianne Gilchrist, the show jumper.
1: Yes, I I met her uh, because um, after I finished on the dairy farm, I was offered a job in a big riding school in Melbourne. And I went there and I did nothing but teaching, educate horses. And then Marion, her grandfather, because Marion's father, um, he was in the war when the Americans came to Australia. Uh, That was her father, and he went back to America, and she only left with her mother. And then she stayed with her mother and her grandfather. And they asked me to come and teach this girl show jumping. And that was, yeah, one morning I went over there like in Australia, everybody got their own jumping area. They got plenty of room. So I went over there and yes, and I taught her. She came on her grey horse and we worked and did the show jumping. She was quite, she was a natural. You didn't, you didn't have to tell her too much because she was just a natural horsewoman. So we went through all the parts in show jumping, and this and that. And then, after three or four years, when she was um, 20 years of age, yeah, I became very interested in her. And she became very interested in me. But that was not to the liking of a grandfather. Oh no, those days you... You know, I was I was a, a, a Dutch migrant, and some of the writers that I called me are, you know, a Dutch clockwork. But you don't care about that. You just take. Doesn't matter. But I started then. When I was at Kittlewick, um, I was still teaching her, and I, yeah, at Kittlewick, I had different customers who bought in horses in training. And then I, I had some brilliant young horses, and one older horse, which was very difficult, and the horse was called Solo. And he was really a B-grade horse, but very difficult to ride, and the girl who owned the horse now could not handle the horse that well. And I took over, and he became one of my best show jumpers, the first show jumper I had in Australia. I went to the Royal Melbourne Show, where the horse won two table A 's, won the Grand Prix, and that was ah, uh, that was my name was made. That was absolutely fantastic. Then I had different customers who um, a big plastic manufacturer who had a son who wanted to be taught show jumping. I had a custom over the that had the big metropolitan dairies that I want their son. And I was really that busy teaching and those people that were willing to buy good horses for me. Then, I was paid ten pounds a week, But, the money I made for the business outreached, you know,, I oh, made a lot of money. And I decided after oh, I think I'm out there for a year and a half. And I decided, now, it's time that you start your own business. And there was a place not far from Melbourne, a beautiful big stad farm, which was empty. And, yeah, I went over to the people who owned the stad farm. And then the stables were all full of cobwebs and everything was neglected. But it was a beautiful 50-acre property. And I leased that property for 10 pounds a week. so I started my own business. Then Marion, who I still was teaching, who had a bit difficulty with her family, the grandparents, and she said, I'm going to run away from home. And which she did. And she came... Because the place I rented, we had a cottage, beautiful stables, beautiful paddocks, and she came and lived in with
0: me. Then you got married and you had two daughters, Cynthia and Bridget. Are they both interested in horses? Did they inherit your genes? In one
1: way, yes, yes. But they didn't go on with it. They, they were not really interested in the horses at all. Wayne... I started the business. Yeah, I had to make sure that money was coming in. We had horses. And after, oh, it's it's remarkable because then I didn't have um, yeah, I didn't have the two daughters then. And on that stop farm I had, I was there for Three years, four years. And I had some beautiful horses. I sold one horse to Andrew Fielder in England, my good horse called Dixieland, which I bought for a hundred pounds and sold for ten thousand pounds. And then in those days, yeah, that was a lot of money. But it all worked towards me buying my own property. And when I did buy my own property, we had to, yeah, I bought the Equestrian Federation of Australia that made me the coach of the Olympic team, of the show jumping, and that was going to a place not far from Melbourne that they were going to build a big equestrian center. And the president of the Equestrian Federation in Melbourne said, if you buy a little place close near there, then you're handy and we can work it all out together. Which I did. I bought 10 acres. Then I had to build a house. Then I had to build stables, fencing, shelter sheds. And that is when Marion and myself, we went to all the shows We had a terrific team. Then Marion, yeah, she got the two daughters. Lovely. Then when we settled down in our own property, yeah, times were tough. I remember we had to empty the piggy bank of the little girls to pay for the grocer bill. And then, yeah, I had to go and teach different show jumping clubs. And then I got sometimes a hundred hundred pounds a day for teaching, which was good money. I had to do that. And in my business, I had very wealthy customers, customers which were really spot on. But one customer got very interested in Marion, and I didn't know that. That was just something they're not going to tell you. And Marion became very interested in his money. Just one day I came back from teaching, and Marion and the two daughters disappeared. They were not there. Because the rich customer took her and put her in a big flat on the other side of Melbourne. I found that all out. Because I was then, th- that was very hard to take. But you can't turn back, you have to keep keep going.
0: You uh, were, in you fact, tried. one of the first riders to be sponsored in Australia. So that was a turning point, too, in terms of uh, you know commercial investment in your business. And you produced endless horses, too many to mention here. Uh, you trained as well, you were a trainer of the Australian team for the World 3-Day Event Championship. So you had a hand in eventing as well as show jumping and, of course, had international success yourself. Which of those accomplishments would you be most proud of?
1: Oh, the the, the most... What I was really proud of is my first Australian show jumping championship. When I was at the first riding school and a big manufacturer in plastic, Mr. Winton, had this beautiful big chestnut horse and it was a class horse. And I worked on it and worked on it and after eight, six, seven months after competing at different shows, the horse was really ready to go to the bigger shows and he had a son who was at school and was not ready really to go to the big shows. And he asked me to go to the Australian Show Jumping Championships at New South Wales. I said, yes, all expense paid. Fantastic, I like that. Just there I went with the horse in the float and a Dutch friend of mine, the two of them, he went to New South Wales, to the Australian Championship. And in the warm-up class, I got second. John, brilliant, really classy. And then in those days, you had the New Zealand team, the Australian team, they were all there. And in those days, Kevin Bacon, one of the famous Australian Riders, who got, he won the Grand Prix with a horse called Chichester in Paris. And they were all the top, the top of the top. And then in the Australian Championship, there were only two clear two double clear And that was Kevin Bacon on Ocean Farm and myself on Brahman. And I just thought, ah, the horse was just, uh, uh, yeah, it was like a grandfather's horse, lovely. And then we had to jump off, and then Kevin Bacon was first to go, and he jumped his course, and they had the combination, and then in Australia, you have cricket pitches in the middle of a showing. Now, you had to make a choice, jump the combination and cut before the cricket pitch to the left, or go around it. And Kevin Bacon went around it. And when I had to jump my round, I jumped the combination and went inside, and jumped the last fence on the angle. Now, here I won the Australian Show Jumping Championship. That was really an an that, the way I felt, and that, was, that made my name.
0: Of all the competitors that you've watched in your time, who has actually inspired you? Firstly,
1: Marion, she was very good. But the, the, the rider I really, in Australia, there were not many, because most of them, they were just flying artists. But the rider who really inspired me was Guy Crichton he was a natural he did nothing in dressage no but he was a natural horseman he had an eye going into a competition unbelievable I had many many uh, competitions with him plenty of tests with him but he was a very kind person to a horse and I admired him for his Yeah, soft, lovely approach in show jumping. He was a top international rider who could go anywhere in the world, which he proved, because when I had, later on in the business, I had a horse called Mr. Dennis, which was sponsored by a big car manufacturer in Melbourne, and Mr. Dennis, it, it, it's remarkable because here again, I was a professional. And I could Mr. Dennis was picked for the Olympic Games, but I could not compete. Because I said, what about Guy Crichton? And yes, everything was said. And Guy Crichton rode my horse
0: at Montreal. In 1976, that would be. Now, uh, tell us about Carrie, your second wife. When did you meet her? And of course, you have one son, Mark, from your second marriage. Uh, was she also in the horse business? Yes, my wife Carrie. She she was
1: an an hack rider. But while I was going to the shows, and then she, a matter of fact, I taught her uh, riding. Then. She was very young at the first riding school. And she stayed in contact with the horse world. And then she rode in the garrion in in Melbourne, which is a prestigious event for riders. And she got fought in that, which was brilliant. And she was a real horse, Mm -hmm. but she really, in show jumping now, she, she did not really... Um, would like that so much and I met her on the show when I went to the big show in Sydney and there we met and yes she art and this and there yeah and then I fell in love with her and I've been married to her now for what 42 years and she was real and still is (laughs) A very knowledgeable horse person in everything.
0: How would you wish to be remembered, Art? Would it be as a horseman or a sportsman?
1: I think both. As a sportsman, yeah, everybody, because I was, I said, very kind to horses and I did a lot of dressage. And as a sportsman, but I was more remembered as, yeah, was a horseman. And especially when my father came to Australia, and I had a team, we had a team of nine horses. And while he was in Australia, we went to Adelaide Show, where one of my horses, which was a pre expert, we jumped up to seven foot two and a half. He couldn't believe it. He said, do I have a son? Is some who can do all that?
0: Do you think he was finally proud of you, Art, that uh, when he came to visit you, that you had made your way as a very successful horseman? Did he actually show you his pride in you? Oh, yes. He softened up a little bit, did he?
1: Yes, at his
0: old age. We,
1: as a matter of fact, Marion and I, at the Adelaide Royal Show, And the whole team was there, the Australian team. And we had a good team of horses. And we had the Grand Prix. And there were five placings in the Grand Prix. And we got first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. And then after the Grand Prix, I said, now, where is that? And we couldn't find him. And then finally, we found him. In the side, and he was sitting on a on a chair on a on a garden uh, uh, chair, and he was actually crying. Mm. And I had to go and sit on the side of him, and I said to him, "Dad, what's wrong?" He said, "Nothing." He said, "On the end, he said." you should have stayed in Holland. I said, yeah, I should have. But in Holland, I could have never started my own business. But he really, he felt, and then he said, boy, you're fantastic. And for me, me, to witness that from your own father, Yeah, that is something extra special.
0: You waited a very long time for that. Now, did your mother visit you in Australia? Yes.
1: Yes, my mother finally came with my father. And I laughed because my mother was not a horse person, never was with horses, but she was always, you know, one of the kindest persons you could meet. And I, they were sitting in the garden of mine equestrian establishment, because I did build one of the biggest indoor stadium in Melbourne, where we had indoor shows, everything in my own place. And they came to visit me. And then they were sitting in the garden, and a customer of mine, we had to go and look for two horses for his son, and I said, "Look, he said, "Don't you worry, there was an airport only ten kilometers from where I lived. He said, "I pick you up, you go to the airport. I pick you up with my plane. We fly over there. That was a field that was up to a hundred kilometers. We look at the horses, you tell me. Was they any good? And apply fly it back. Which she did. And while we went to the airport, I said, could you do me one favor? And I said to my father, I said, now, if you hear a plane come about the school here, then you know it's me. And yes, Ray said, I will do that for you. And he came over the indoor school three or four times. And quite low. And then he went back to have a look at the horses. When I came back, my mother, she just, she said, you will not live long if you do all those funny things. And she was so worried that I would get hurt. And she said, please don't. I said, mother, in Australia, that is normal can but that's the person she was. Not my father, because he he would enjoy all those things. He was tough enough. uh, Matter of fact, he wanted to come with me, but she wouldn't let him. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: that was what kind of mother I had.
0: What age did they both live to? My father was, oh, he was 74.
1: And my mother... She was 82. Yes. Yes, my father, he... Um, I like to die the way he did. Because he... When he sold the business, he was living in a big flat on the outside of... The, in town. And then they had to go... They had to the lift going up and down... And he did all the shopping. My mother was really a person who was inside all the time. And he went shopping. And one day, he came back, back with the shopping. And he went into the room and he said to my mother, God, he said, I'm a little bit tired. My mother said, now just sit down and I'll make you a nice cup of coffee And she went to the kitchen. She made him a nice cup of coffee. She went back into the room. And he passed away. Never had any um, pain or anything. He just passed away. He was sitting there. And he was, yeah, he was gone. Now, that is something like a lot of people... If, but then you have, you know, ailments and cancer or whatever. Um, and you suffer. Now, he never suffered. And that is something which, yeah, you don't like anybody to die. But if you do, that's the way to go.
0: Thank you very much indeed for being my guest Ken, and telling us your story of the life that you've had from Holland to Australia. Thank you very much. Please join me again next time when we visit the life of another equestrian legend.